Hi, I'm Quentin D'Souza, and you're listening to Get Real Wealthy. Create wealth, freedom, and security through real estate investing. Make sure to check out GetRealWealthy.com. In this episode, this longtime member takes us through his journey in real estate investing, some of the strategies that he's used to build a portfolio of properties, and how he's flipped properties in the last year. Have a listen. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Uh, I wanted to, first of all, you know, thanks. Uh, we were just talking before you've been a member for, I don't know, almost eight years, I would think, and saw the evolution from small, like, you know, room. Uh, um, we started in a dental office. We moved into like a, um, like a meeting room that held about 100 people. It got really hot. Then we moved to a bigger room and then uh, and continued to grow. Um, and I know that uh, you, you've done some interesting strategies uh, just around uh, real estate. I know you've transitioned um, from your previous job and now you're doing flips. Maybe you could share a little bit of like your background in real estate and how you kind of came about to create a, a portfolio. Sure. Well, I, I used to work for Bell. Uh, I had a relatively senior job at Bell. Um, and my wife also had a, a pretty senior role. She worked for uh, Franklin Templeton Mutual Fund. So we both were, you know, earning good money. And um, about 10 years ago, I decided to start investing in, in properties and in rental properties. Um, largely because I, you know, we were coming out of the 2008 recession and, and I didn't trust the stock market very much. And um you know, if I was going to invest a lot of money, then I needed to I needed to feel more secure, and I felt real estate was kind of that that mechanism. So I bought I've exclusively bought condo townhouses. So I bought one condo townhouse uh, for ninety five thousand dollars. I remember the very first one I bought ninety five thousand dollars, and it didn't seem that scary because it wasn't a, a huge number. And I made really good money on it. And then I bought another one and I made really good money. I just kept doing that. I bought like, I think one year I bought six. Over the course of four years, I bought, I have 17 properties now. So I, all in the course of four years. Um, and, uh, you know, they've done really well. Actually, last year, I, I tracked this pretty closely. I track uh, different properties in different areas of the city. Uh, condo townhouses in Oshawa last year went up by 40% in value. I, I think there's hardly any, any categories of real estate that have gone up more than that. And actually I track it back to when I first started buying properties in 2008. Um, you know, it's got four or five times since, since then. So, uh, so, that, so that original that, that original townhouse. What do you think it's worth today? It's probably it's so hard to to understand what it's worth because they're going up so quickly. Um, but it is is somewhere four fifty or five hundred probably. Okay. Yeah. All right, and and I remember that you like you came to a meeting one time, and I got to share the story because you mentioned it before. Yeah. Like you 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 had. 
there was a big life change that happened and it had happened just the morning of like the uh one of our meetings yeah so so uh you know i was working for bell and i don't know if people know bell but they uh a lot of big companies have they have rounds of layoffs every six months every one year it just keeps going in cycles so i knew this was inevitable for me at some point but that morning it had happened and um so i got laid off from my job my wife had retired from her job about three years ago so now we're sitting there with with no income or no job income but uh you know i had 17 properties so I, uh, it happened that morning at the Quentin's meeting. So, uh, Quentin, you know, pointed me out in front of everyone and he put me on the spot and said, you know, what are you going to do now, Alan? And, uh, I basically, at that point, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to go back to work and I haven't gone back to work. And right then and there, I basically retired. I was 52 years old. And, uh, so that, you know, I'm, I'm happy I did it. It's been the greatest thing I've ever done. And I'm doing better than ever. So it was a, a good decision. Yeah. And, and you were talking also about the, um, you had mentioned about the the properties that you had been working on over the last year, which I think, so you, you were able to create that. Now, I just want people to understand that you were able to create a base of income that came from your rental property portfolio. And I know that that's probably not your only source of income. Like maybe you, are you able to highlight like, because you have a breadth of different income sources. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll talk about what happened in the last year. So sure. So you want to kind of have a sense of where my income sources are? If that's okay. Yeah, like, yeah, it's no problem. So you don't have to be specific. I, like, know, just I, I, I haven't, I've done things differently than a lot of other people in Durham REI. I manage all the properties myself. I do my own renovations. I, I do, uh, you know, if, if a tenant has a problem with a toilet, I'll fix it. I don't, I don't mind doing stuff like that. And, you know, in fact, I like it because it gives me a sense, it gives me a chance to interact with my tenants and it makes them feel like I'm responsive and I am responsive. I'm a great landlord. Uh, so, um, so I, basically the things that I've done different, I do all, I'll do all that work myself. I really haven't remortgaged my properties and pulled money out of, out of my properties over the course of, uh, close to 10 years I have a little tiny bit but for the most part I haven't so you know my my um well my loan to value ratio is is really low it's like it's like around 20 percent and and so because I have never remortgaged or, or you know pulled money out for the most part and and uh, the properties have gone up substantially over that course of time and so having that kind of um, loan to value ratio, my, my, um, the income that I, I generate from the properties is, is really good. I, I, do, I do really well on, on a monthly basis just from the income from the properties. That's awesome. And yeah, I, I also have, um, I have a lot of, a, a lot of investments in, you know, in, in the stock market and equities and, and other, other types of investments outside of real estate. So I don't so much look at income? income. I don't really look at that as income. I just look at that as as investments for the for the future at some point. But uh, you know, sometimes I do pull money out of that. In fact, one thing I am doing is I am 
we're going to talk a bit about this today, but outside of what we're going to talk about, um, I still do have some RSPs and I, I do pull money out of my RS, even though I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm retired. I don't know what to call myself if I'm retired or not. I don't know. <laughs> People ask me if I'm retired and I don't know, to, I don't know the answer to that. But anyway, uh, I pull money out of my RSPs arguably early because I don't think that, uh, I don't think there's going to be a better time to do it because you know, taxes are going to be higher when I when I want to pull them out when I'm 70 or 80. So I just I just do it now when my taxes are going to be lower than they will be in the future. Uh, that's another source of income. Interesting. Um, so it sounds like the majority of your day-to-day income comes from your real estate portfolio. Um, well, yeah, not, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't spend a lot of money to tell you the truth. I don't. So yeah, it comes, I have way more than enough from my, my day to day, just from the, the income properties I have. And I'm not a big spender. I like to go on vacation, but other than that, I don't really spend a lot of money. <laughs> and that's okay. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's it, the way it is. Yeah. And I, I agree. I'm very similar, you know, and I don't really have a, like a flashy lifestyle or anything like yeah. that. So, but um, one of the things that you have done over the last um, year that has been a little different is that you've been doing some some property flips. Um, and I think, you know, uh, one of the things I just want to reiterate again is you created a portfolio of properties that helps to give you some stability of your, your um, you have a low, low loan to value. And now you've added some active income to that, that, uh, that right. portfolio. And I'm assuming you, you, like even with 17 properties being single family homes, you probably don't spend a lot of time every week on those properties. Like what, like how much, how many hours would you say per week you? Honestly, it's hardly anything. I'm, I mean, th- there'll be weeks at a time that go by. I don't spend really any time on it at all. And occasionally there was a person who moved out and in, um, in December and they were kind of gross and I had to I had to spend two weeks fixing it up and repainting things and tearing out a few carpets and stuff like that and it took me two weeks that that hardly ever happens but it did happen in December um, that would be really truly exceptional that I had to spend two weeks on a particular property um, other than that I'd probably spend five hours a week maybe that's probably generous Okay. And now, so you, you have this time, you're, you know, you obviously are good with your hands and you like to get involved. Yeah. So it sounds like you got into some, some property flips. Maybe you can describe what that's been like over the last year. Well, I've done, uh, I did four flips over the last year, um, starting almost, well, I did did one just before the pandemic. It was a really large house in Oshawa, like a three and a half thousand square foot house um, in just disgusting condition. And I did all the work myself and it was, it was way too much. It was, it took a lot out of me. I'll never do that again. It was a a lesson learned. I made money on it. I made relatively good money on it. Not as good as my, the flips I'm going to tell you about in a minute, but it was grueling. So it was a lesson for me that the kind of flips I want to do in the future are kind of easy cosmetic flips on relatively small houses or condos. And what was the first, like, what what did you generate off of the first flip? Probably, well, I bought it for 530 
and I sold it for 720. I probably made about $90,000. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's a lot of sweat equity. In that it was one. a lot of work. Like how many hours would you say ballpark that you spent on that project? Yeah. This is something, um, this is something you shouldn't do. So I spent seven months on it in almost full time. And I'm, I'm a kind of guy who I, I, it was a mistake. Okay. This was, this was a mistake. The buying that large a property in such horrible condition and doing it all myself, but I'm the kind of guy who, who gets into something and there's no way I'm not going to win. It's going to happen. I'm just going to make it happen. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to make this successful. So that's what I did. Okay. And I had to work really hard to make it successful, but it was a, a very good lesson. And the lesson is, you know, smaller houses, easier, more cosmetic renovations. Okay. So um, then what was the next, the uh, next property? So the next one was, um, it was the easiest one ever. So I bought a condo downtown, downtown Toronto and Fort York area. I don't know if you know where that is just South of Liberty village. Um, I bought it for, 490, I think it was. Um, and I spent, it was, it was needed painting. It needed to be cleaned, but really there was not much more to it than that. I spent, I think $2,000 on it. It took, I got the whole family involved, my wife and my two kids. No one was doing anything during pandemic. So we all spent a week going downtown uh, into this condo for about seven days. And it took, that's exactly what it took, seven days. And then, and I was kind of scared because it was the very beginning of the pandemic. I didn't know what was going to happen. And it, luckily I got out of it pretty quickly because condos downtown haven't done well. No, that's but it was okay. It was just before they started going down and I, I was a little scared, but, um, you know, we, I, we cleaned it up really nicely and we stage it. I think this is important. If you're going to flip stage it just to the nines, make it so unbelievably nice in terms of staging, and that's what we did. And uh, a week later, I put it in the market, had multiple offers, I, I can't remember, maybe eight or nine offers. And uh, we sold it for 100,000 more than we than we bought it for. So five, nine, and, and, and I made on it, you know, after all expenses and so on, and real estate fees, I probably made about, and after taxes, uh, about $50,000 in, in a week. That was right. good. But that but that's similar to the first project, right? That was exactly <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> it was exactly the opposite. No, no, but at least the return was the same. No, yeah, yeah, happened. you know, it was. <laughs> so uh, what about your third and fourth project? What well, were they? Then I got a little bit braver and I, I, I bought a couple of properties where they were tenanted and uh, I had to evict the tenant. Uh, and it, it took... Well, one in particular, the one one I just sold actually last week, I, I bought it uh, in January, last January. And um, um, I was actually in, well, it doesn't matter where I was. I, I bought it last January for, uh, I bought it for $154,000 is in Guelph. Right. It was a terrible, terrible condition. There was a guy in there that was gross and he smoked constantly um well me and my son went to see the property and and, and he he wasn't paying rent so me and i bought it off a wholesaler okay me and my son went to see the property in guelph which is you're pretty far from me i live in scarborough and um 
and we couldn't get in the property and the police were there. And I'm going, what the heck's going on? And so the police are there and, and the wholesaler is kind of embarrassed, not embarrassed, but, you know, trying to make things like, you know, Rosy. yeah, and not trying to scare me too much. Right. And so, um, so we, she said, okay, let, I think we can go and see it. So the police are, the police are in front of the building. And so we go up the elevator, it's a condo apartment. We go up the elevator and there's a police woman standing outside the door, outside the door, wouldn't let me in. And the, uh, the tenant had some, he, he was in his fifties, but he had some young guys staying with him and they were all drug addicts. They're all drug addicts. So the police had raided this apartment that morning, arrested the young guy that was living with the tenant and I couldn't see it. So I had to decide if I wanted to buy it. I had to buy it sight unseen basically, which is scary, but it wasn't that big a number. I bought it and uh, spent, you know, eight months trying to get rid of this guy, and he he just wasn't going to go. I had to I had to actually go to divisional court. He appealed it and appealed it and appealed it. I had to go to divisional court. It cost me about fifteen sixteen thousand dollars to evict him. And uh, luckily, there was a window in October where evictions were allowed, and I managed to evict him in October. Um, and then we, me and my son renovated it. It took us six weeks, January to mid-February. It made it gorgeous. It's really nice. And we sold it for three seventy-five. Wow. A year in a year. Wow. So what was great. You- it took me six weeks. And I mean, besides all the hassle and getting this guy evicted and stuff, it took me six weeks. It wasn't that hard. Yeah, no, that's good. And your renovate, if you're both doing it, then your renovation costs, and it's a condo. So there's not like that much to, to do. Was, so I got it. I got it. Everything. It cost me $10,000. I put a new kitchen in, new bathroom, new floors, painted everything. I did it. You know, I can do all these things myself, but, it, you know, me and my son did it. And it's kind of fun working with your your son. I was telling you earlier, I, I liked, and he liked it as well. And he wasn't, he didn't have a lot going on because of, COVID, so it was kind of a good experience. Oh, so what, what do you think you spent in renovation costs? I spent $10,000. I know exactly what I spent. Oh, 10000 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was pretty good money then. <laughs> yeah, I great. made great money on it. And then what about your last one? Um, so it's been a, I did a one in Oakville. It was a condo townhouse. Um, again, I bought it off a wholesaler. Um, took us about four weeks to do. Um, there wasn't a lot of, it wasn't big renovations, just clean up stuff. I had to put a deck in the backyard, but that wasn't difficult. It took about four, you know, six weeks probably. And I made probably a hundred thousand dollars on it after, after yeah. all was said and done. Wow. So like you're, you know what, what I find funny is that, um, you know, you, you, and you're like me too. Like we, we, we don't really spend a lot, but we can actually earn quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah. And well, I haven't told you about the, the, the one I made the most money on. So I, oh, okay. I, I, I bought another, I was a standalone, like single family house in, uh, in Acton. And I bought it, uh, this, this, I had to let the, part of the wholesale deal was I had to let the woman live there for eight months, whatever, uh, you know, I bought it for, um, I think around 400, 
thousand. I had to let her live there for eight months. Uh, March, it was March of this year, came along and she's supposed to move out. And of course, she's not moving out because, you know, I, she's not answering calls. She's just being difficult. She's kind of friendly, but um, all of a sudden she has COVID apparently. She, and I can't get in the house and I can't talk to her and she can't leave because she thinks she has COVID. Of course, she didn't have COVID, but, you know, I had to sweet talk her out. And in the end, um, the way I had to get her out was I had to, she found a rental property that she was going to move into because she couldn't afford it. And the she had terrible credit, terrible, terrible credit. So the landlord was insisting she pay eight months rent up front. So I had to pay, I had to give her them eight months rent to get her out. And so I did. And uh, she's supposed to pay me back. I've got three, three of those eight months back so far about it. We'll see if I forget the rest of it. But I got her out and uh, we spent uh, two months working on that property and I sold it for, I think, $720. And I bought wow. it for $400. You bought yeah. it for, for $400. I sold yeah. it for $720. Wow. Yeah. And what this were you? Been un- it's been unbelievable. Properties have just gone like, uh, as, you, as you well know, yeah. just through the roof. And if you bought, you know, the right property and it was in the right place and it wasn't too big and people could afford it. The properties have just gone up so much. It's kind of scary how much they've gone up. I don't know if this is yeah. sustainable, but um, you know, this has been, it's been a good year. Yeah. And you know what, I think the other thing too, is that you, you, you have a skill and you're using the skill and like, it's just like me, right? What what else am I going to do? I'm not, I'm not going to sit around and do nothing. I'm going to continue to reposition buildings, buy properties. Now, I'm not. I don't like the the active part that that I you're know, doing. I know that you're but different. but everybody's different. Like that's totally okay, right? And that's what makes us a great group, right? There's lots of people that do different things, and we're all sharing. And you know, every person's approach is different. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's just that's that's the way you want to do it, right? Sure. We have people who are wholesalers. We have people that are realtors in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> they have different approaches to how they do things, right? And I think that's that's the key. Now, one of the things that you talked about and you mentioned to me was the uh, RRSP or the sorry, the TFSA um, maximum maximizer. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Okay. So about. Uh... It was before I left my, my job at Bell. So it was over five years ago, maybe closer to six years ago now. I, um, you know, I have, you know, in my mid fifties and I, you know, I have built up some money in RSPs and cause that's the thing you're supposed to do, right? You know, everyone tells you from the, the moment you get out of university, you better start investing in RSPs. So I did that every year. I maxed them out every year. And, um, and it began to be, and at the same time, I had, you know, I started to invest in real estate and it was going pretty well. And it seemed to me that, man, these RSPs are going to cost me a lot of money in taxes at the end of the day. Um, because I, I'm not sure if everyone realizes, but if you have money in an RSP and you pull it out, it's it's full on income. It's just it's just like a job. It's, it's the same kind of, it's categorized as, as, as income the same as is my income from Bell Canada when I used to work there. Unlike if you had money in a 
an investment account, a non-registered account, and you create dividend income or, or capital gains income, you know, capital gains is great in the sense that you only get tax on, on half of that income and you don't get tax at all until, until you sell it. So you get to defer taxes. There's a lot of benefits to doing that. But I, I couldn't do that with the money that was stuck in my RSPs. And, um, you know, that was that was a reality for me. And so I, I began to, to look around as to how I didn't know what to do, but I, I began to look around and, and my, actually my accountant uh, put me in touch with this organization that, uh, well, they have this product called TFSA Maximizer. And basically what it allows you to do over the course of about, it's about 10 years. The program takes about 10 years. I think it depends on, on, um, on your specifics in terms of your investments and so on. But basically in a nutshell, it allows you to move your, your investments from your RSP to a TFSA on a tax free basis. Essentially that's what it allows you to do. Um, and that was pretty attractive. Um, I, I can get into the details if you want me to get into them, but that's that's what I did. And what, what like what's the idea behind it? <laughs> like so, you must be like the you you have money from your RSPs and you want to you want to move it into your TFSA because the TFSA when you're pulling funds out you're not taxed on it. Yes, right? and that's the key, right? That's the key. Um, it's, it's a pretty detailed structure. I can I can run through how it works. It, it might be difficult to follow because it's it's pretty complicated. Um, you, you need well. I I don't know if you could do it yourself. I didn't do it myself. I had um, this advisor. I don't really know don't know the right title for this guy who helped me with it or this organization that helped me with it. But they set it up for you and they they manage it through the course of its its you know ten year life. Um, but basically, okay, you want, me to, you want me to walk through how it works, Quinton? Is sure. that, yeah, yeah, sure. So I have to kind of look at my notes because it is fairly complicated. So I'm probably going to be looking at my other screen just to remind myself how it works. So basically, I have you have an RSP and you, you convert it to a RIF, so um, registered uh, income fund, so like like a pension sort of thing. Right. So you don't have an RSP, you convert it to a RIF. And that's you can do that at any time. So that, that's step one. And then you take all the money that's in my, my RIF and all the money that I had in my various TFSAs at that time. And through this, this, this investment company I, I'm working with, I invested in these special purpose uh, mortgage investment corporations. So mix, if, if you've heard that term, yeah. uh, you invested in these, in these mix. And there's basically two categories of, of mix, one that pays about 3% and one that pays about 15%. Um, I'll tell you why that matters in a minute, but just, just, remind, just remember that there's these two categories of mix. Um, Okay, so independent of all that, then then you have to have um, equity in a in a property. I use my principal residence, but you could use, I, I believe, any any property, and you have to take a mortgage out against this property. Um, and the mortgage is taken out. Um, the lender is the same company that runs these 
Mortgage Investment Corporation, these mix. So I took a property, I took a, a mortgage out against my, my principal residence. And with, with the proceeds of that mortgage, I invested it in, in a, in a non-registered investment account. In fact, I invested it with in, in, through TD Waterhouse. That's where that's where it sits right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I can invest that. So that that money that I pulled out as mortgage on my principal residence, put into TD Waterhouse. I can buy stocks or bonds or ETFs or I can buy options with it. Anything. I, there's no restrictions really at all on it. Just as there would be with any non-registered account. You know, c- contrast that with if your money was in your RSP, there's quite a bit of restrictions on what you can do with that money. You know, one thing you, interesting for perhaps some people on this call and, and, and something I've started to do more recently is invest in options. And, um, you know, for instance, you can't write put options inside of RSP, which is restrictive. Yeah. But you can yeah. in this kind of format. You can't right? do spreads. You can't do any of that. You can't do those kind of things. But uh, when you took the funds out of your principal residence, is was it equivalent to the amount that was in the RRSPs? Yeah. Yeah. That, so these these things are independent, but there's a lot of um, coordination going on. Because right. I think it needs to be independent because it has to be kosher with the CRA. Okay. So they are they are independent, but there there's a coordination going on to make sure everything. I'll, I'll tell you in a minute how it works, but X has to pay Y, and, and you need to make sure that um, you're you're making this work so that you're not act, I'm not actually having to be out of pocket. But, right. Okay. So so I had this mortgage invested in in uh in, in through my my TD Waterhouse account. And okay, so that that happens. Um, just just let me look at my cheat sheet again. Uh, just give me a second. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it is pretty complicated. Um, so, so you, have the, you have the equity from your property. You use the equity and put it into the TD Waterhouse account. Okay. Yeah. So so now I have I have these these mix, these mortgage and investment corporations that are that are paying me money every month back into the RSP back into the RIF and back into the TFSA. So there's there's money being pushed into those, those um, RS, the RIFs and the TFSAs every month. Um, but every month I have, I have a mortgage payment to make because I borrowed this money to, this money to invest in my TD Waterhouse account. So every month there's a, there's a mortgage payment to make, but I don't wanna pay this out of pocket. So what happens is, is out of my RIF every month, I pull out the equivalent amount of my mortgage payment. Okay, so so I pull out of my RIF. You know, just say say my mortgage payment's a thousand dollars. I pull it on my RIF, a thousand dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. and so that goes through a bank account I set up for this purpose, and it flows into this mortgage payment. Okay, so it doesn't it doesn't cost me money every month, and. This is an interesting dynamic because the mortgage payments I make to invest in this TD Waterhouse account are, is tax deductible. That's tax deductible interest. Right. Yep. But the RIFs, the, when I extract money from my RIFs, that's taxable. Yeah. Okay. So the two, because of the same amount, they 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 become a wash. They they become 
they they cancel each other out. Right. So 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 in that sense, I'm not. There's no incremental taxes I'm paying on a monthly month or a year to year basis. Okay. Okay. Um, but if you think of this, this is a it's kind of a loop. It just keeps happening every month. This these mortgage payments happen. These this extraction from the RIF happens. This these payments are made into the RIF and into the TFSA. And, and here's when I'll, I'll tell you the details about the 3% and the 15%. So the, the RSP, uh, there's, there's two mortgage, there's two categories of RIFs that I take out. And there's actually two categories of mortgages that I take out. There's a first and there's a second mortgage. And I, you know, that I, I borrow money through this, this company, but anyway, I, I, I borrowed, a first mortgage and that pays 3% and a second mortgage. And I have to pay 15% on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, they try and maximize the, the amount that you're paying in the second mortgage. Um, they try and keep it as high as possible. The, the maximum that the CRA will really allow to, within you know, what they deem to be reasonable because the 15% is going to be paid to, into my TFSA. So my TFSA is making 15%. And so that's going to build up my TFSA pretty quickly. Um, but the the um, RSP, the, the MIC that the RSP is invested in is only making 3%. So, and I'm pulling money, not, I mean, the RIF, not the RSP. So I'm pulling money out of the RIF every month and it's only making 3%. So the, the dynamic is the, the RIF is going down in value every month um, and the TFSA is going up in value every month through this sort of circular dynamic that happens. So, you know, over time, the net effect is I'm moving money from my RS or my RIF to my TFSA gradually month over month over month in such a way that after about, about 10 years, There'll be no money left in the RIF, and all that money will be in the RSP. Or, sorry, all that money will be in the TFSA, and then, um, and that's kind of the end of it. And then I, I I'll still owe money on this mortgage because that mor- mortgage hasn't been paid out. I still, I just keep up with the interest payments. So at the end of the day, I'll have to take money out of the the, the TFSA, which will be worth, well, assuming I do reasonable reasonably well in the TFSA and invest it properly, be worth an awful lot more than the mortgage. I take it out of the TFSA in a tax-free basis, pay off my mortgage, and then uh, that's the end. I've got all my money on my RSP. It's all in my TFSA. It was done in a tax-free basis, and uh, that's the end of it. That's great. I think, like, you know, however you, you want to approach it, um, what I find is that a lot of people who are wealthy think in nonlinear manners. And I think this is an example of a nonlinear way of thinking. But what you're doing is you're using professionals to help you to do it, right? Yes. And I think that's, that's, that's the key. Uh, one of the this things is really I, complicated. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot to keep track of every month. Uh, um, and, and there's not a lot of room for error because a CRA will they'll jump on me if I make a mistake. So I have a, a, a company that manages it for me. They charge, I, I believe the management fee is about one and a half percent of the net assets on an annual basis. I, 
I think for new investors, I think I might have heard it as maybe 2%. But um, yeah, so there's a cost to it. But at the end of the day, I, I'm going to be much further ahead. Yeah, and I think the idea here is the concept behind it. And, you know, if, if you know, at an event, if a member wants to come up to you and ask you, talk to you about it, is that okay? Absolutely. I'm not sure. On this on this recorded call, I don't know if I want to, you know, say who I'm using or, you know. No, that, that's okay. But, but I'm, I'm happy to, if someone wants to reach out to me individually or, or talk to me in, in person or whatever, I'm happy to talk about it. All right, that's cool. I think that's a that's a great way of doing it because I know that, and uh, I think that this is an interesting conversation. And these are the type of things I want to try to explore with these calls, and and also let people know like the we have a like a rich caliber of people who are part of the membership, and you know when people join, they don't really know who different people are. So it's an opportunity for me to talk to new members, but also talk to some. Uh, experienced members and you know and it offers the ability to kind of connect in a different way with them and you know get to know them so you know you've helped me a lot Quentin so uh, anything I can do to help you or help other the people in this group I'm, I'm honestly very happy to do it well uh, thanks have a have a you know have a great afternoon and, and, and thanks again Thanks for listening to my conversation with our member. I hope you got some valuable information out of it. If you would like to create wealth, freedom, and security through real estate investing, make sure to check out GetRealWealthy.com. Until next time, I'm Quinton D'Souza. Get out there and take action. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for information purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to GetRealWealthy.com.